Amen. The Lord does rule. And we are grateful to gather together to open his word that he might give us his word tonight to feed our souls, that it might rule in our hearts, that we might also have the peace of Christ abiding in our hearts this evening. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. I would invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be considering judgment and deliverance from the sixth chapter of Genesis and how God delivers his righteous people, how he brings peace to those who fear his name. And I'd like to begin by reading from God's holy word, Genesis chapter 6 through uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. I want to remind you that this is God's holy, inspired, infallible word given to us that we might be not only blessed, but conformed to the, the image of Jesus Christ in hearing the word, not only read, but also preached this evening. So give attention to God's holy word. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is the word of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah, who was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold... I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. 
For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. This is God's word. Let's pray that he would add a blessing to the hearing and to the preaching of his word this evening. Our great and glorious God who reigns and rules over the floodwaters, we turn our hearts to you in all of your majesty and beholding the splendor of your glory and your holiness, recognizing who you are and who we are before you. Lord, we recognize that you are a God who is just. You are a God that is holy. You're also a God who's gracious and kind. So Lord, we pray that we would hear your word and receive it with joy this evening. And that you would take it now deep into our hearts and into our minds to apply it. That we might walk before you in our generation as blessed ones who are blameless in our generation. That we would stand before you righteous. Hiding ourselves into the ark who is Christ. Having salvation and deliverance from the judgment that we are under. But also the judgment to come. Father we pray that you would apply your word to our hearts. That we might walk according to your word. And be a blessing in the world as we seek to follow your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we turn our hearts to the scriptures often, we begin to read narratives and stories of God's faithful people, and we often see that and, and compartmentalize them as spectacular models of faith and extravagant models of um, what holy people are like. And it's easy to look at the life of Noah and look at the life of Joshua and look at the life of David and just say, wow, they were special men. Wow, just incredible men. And we can read these stories, but what things I want you to see are these are people who are just like us. People who are just like us who are called by God to pay attention to him as they walk through the world. What distinguishes Noah and his generation and what distinguishes the rest of the world are some of the things I want to highlight for us tonight. But I don't want you just to look at Noah as some extravagantly special person, but one who is an ordinary person just like you and me. But what made them special was their covenant, their relationship with God. Noah... It says in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 9, it says that these are the generations of Noah. The, this is God's doing something world. The old order of the world's going away. Something new's happening. There's a, this Noah, this man who God is establishing his story, his, his generations. He's going to tell us about who he was in God's new order of working in the world. These are his generations. This is a new beginning that's coming into the world through Noah. And it says, these are the generations. This is something new that God's doing in the world through this man, Noah. But then it describes who Noah is. It says, Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a righteous man. What does this mean that Noah was a righteous man? It was one who had aligned himself with reality as God has presented it into the world. A man who had heard the testimony of the God who created the world, the God who had established a particular order to the world, the God who looked into the chaos and brought order and said, this is how you are to live in the world. Noah was one who had heard the testimony of God, received God's word, and lived rightly according to reality as God had established it. 
Noah was a righteous man because he lined his heart with how God had revealed himself and how one who had aligned themselves rightly with God should live in the world. What made Noah righteous was that God had declared him so because he followed after God's right way. He followed after God's heart. He was a man who paid attention to what God had said and ordered his life accordingly. He was a man who ordered his life in a way that God had established him to walk. He was a righteous man in his relationship to God. So, what righteousness means is how Noah stands before God. God reckons Noah a righteous man because he orders his life according to the way that God had ordered the world. He walked rightly before the Lord. He walked rightly in the world. Hearing how God had established the world, he lived his life according to God's revelation. That is why he is a righteous man. He is right in his relationship to God. But look, it also says that Noah was also a blameless man. Noah was a blameless man in his generation. That is Noah's relationship to his fellow fellow humanity. He was blameless in his generation. So righteousness has how he measures up before God. Blameless is he was without blemish. He was living rightly in comparison to those who were living with him. Righteousness is how he measures up with God and how God judges him. Blameless in his relationship is how he relates and how he measures up amidst his generation. And how does God judge Noah when he looks at the generation that Noah was found in? He judges Noah as blameless. As one who walked before the Lord rightly, but yet walked before his fam- his, walked according to the Lord's word rightly, but also walked among the people of God, among God's creation rightly as well. Without faults. He was blameless in his generation. It also says that Noah walked with God. He was one who had fellowship with God. He not only had heard God's word and walked in his world according as God had established it, but he had a relationship, a communion with God that he maintained day in and day out. And the other person that we know of is Enoch, who walked with God, who had fellowship and communion with God. Notice that God judges Noah as a man who lives rightly before him, in his generation and walks and has communion with God. What makes Noah someone for us to pay attention to is how he lives in relationship to God's revelation in God's creation among his community. He is a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and he walked with God. And God blessed him. God gave him three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, God entrusted to Noah's care children who would follow after him, who would live in proximity to him to learn from this righteous man who was blameless in his generation, that they too also might learn to walk with God. But as we consider how God judged Noah, a righteous and blameless man, we need to see him in the context of his particular generation. Notice how God judges the world. The world that Noah lived in. The world that Noah was present in. It says, this generation, the world that Noah walked in, this righteous man, this blameless man, 
The earth was corrupt in God's sight. That is the context that this righteous man lived in. It was not just a corrupt world, earth in this time. The earth was filled with violence. This violence is irrational. Irrational action in God's world that doesn't line up with reality. They would begin to twist and to make things happen of their own accord. They would look at how God had established the world and twist it to their own whims and wishes. They would do violence to God's created order. They would look at how God had established the world and wreak havoc with it. If God would say, you ought to care and to cultivate and to keep and to fill the earth, subdue it, multiply, they would look at that and say, let's do our own thing. Instead of protecting and caring for the world, let's consume. Let's ravage it. If God was to say, protect and to care for life, they would say, no, let's take it. Let's kill it. That's what violence is. It's taking what is just and turning it upside down. Reversing it. If the just thing is the right thing, the good thing to do, violence is the opposite. I often tell my students in class that justice is giving the other person their due. So what is violence? Wrecking havoc on a person rather than serving the person, giving them what they are due, we twist that and dominate it and ravage the person for our own good. That's violence. The earth was filled with violence. Noah's one who heard God's word and aligned himself with as the way that God had ordered the world. But the generation he lived in was corrupt and full of violence, twisting and mangling God's revelation. How they ought to live in the world, they completely destroyed it. They destroyed the word of God by living according to their own whims and wishes. They were people of corruption and violence. And God saw the earth. Verse 12 says, God saw the earth and behold. That means to stand back, look, and be amazed. Wow. Not in glory, but in the way that it was filled with corruption. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh, all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. That's the generation. That's the context in which Noah is found to be a righteous and blameless man walking with God. A world filled with taking truth and twisting it and mangling it to live according to their own whims and wishes. To take whatever God had said was true and to live in their own way. Corruption, violence, is despising and hating what God has established. God blessed Adam and Eve. He gave them a mandate in how they were to live and to work in the world. How they were to navigate the garden. But once they sinned, That mandate did not change. They were to continue to go out into the land, to continue to cultivate, to care, to be fruitful and to multiply. But as their generation passed and more generations came, we see that the people of the earth began to disregard God's mandate 
and live according to their own wishes. Therefore, they were a corrupt generation doing violence in all of the earth. Imagine a world where there is no one who turns to the truth in order to align their heart with it. Just think of your neighborhood. If everybody just started to live according to their own wishes and their own wills, how crazy it would be in a matter of a few weeks. But Noah was found faithful in this generation. Noah was found faithful among this corrupt people. Verse 13 says, and God said to Noah, notice that. Here Noah is living in this generation among this corrupt people. And God, by his grace, decides to speak. And he speaks to Noah, this righteous man, this blameless man. What grace, what kindness that God would speak. And who does he speak to? The only one who's willing to pay attention to him. The only one who's aligned their life in such a way that if God was to speak, they would actually be listening. And God in his grace spoke to Noah. God in his kindness spoke to Noah because he was a righteous man who had ordered his life in such a way that if God was to speak, he was the kind of person who would hear him. Everyone else was walking around the world living according to their own wishes, living according to their own way, not listening for God, not looking for God to speak. But what grace that there was still one man, that God had preserved one man who was still able, still willing to hear God when he spoke. I just want you to see that because we often think, you know, we don't know exactly how God revealed this to Noah. But what we do know is that when God spoke, Noah heard him. God is speaking now. Are we listening? God's word is open before us. Are we paying attention? Or are we just navigating life to our best lights, to our own wills and to our own wishes? Because we live in a, in a generation that doesn't tune their hearts to listen to God when he speaks. But a righteous person, one who's rightly aligned with God's revelation, is one who's paying attention that when God speaks, they hear. I want you to see that. That Noah had aligned his life in such a way that when God spoke, he was listening. And what does God reveal to him? He reveals, him, uh, reveals to him his judgment about the corrupt generation. But he also shows him how he's going to deliver the righteous. Verse 13 says, And God said to Noah, I have determined, I have decreed, I have said to make an end of all flesh. That's how bad it had gotten. That is the way that the world had gotten. It had risen to such a maturity of sinning that all that God could do at this point was to destroy it, to bring an end to the corruption. And that is God's judgment. He's determined to make an end of all flesh. Why? Because the earth was filled. Again, there it is, violence through them. And God says, I will destroy the earth. That's the judgment. The world has gone their way. The world has turned their hearts against me. They have plugged their ears against my word. They have hardened their hearts to me. But you, Noah, you are still listening. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to judge the earth. 
And here's the sentence, I will destroy it. I will destroy not just the earth, but destroy those who are in the earth. He proclaims his judgment and also declares the sentence of how the judgment, the punishment is going to come. But look at the grace of God again in verse 14. He speaks of the judgment that is going to come, the destruction that is going to come, but yet he speaks to Noah this word of grace saying, but for you, but for you who are listening to me, but for you who have aligned your heart with reality as I have established it, that person who is still willing to hear God when he speaks, make for yourself, it says, make yourself an ark, a hiding place. Make an ark of gopher wood. And how is he to make it? He's to make it large, spacious, grand. Not just one little boat that he can fit himself and his wife in, but a large ark in which he can hide his family in and all the animals that God will bring to him. A cubit is about 18 inches. It is a massive structure, but it is a, it is a large structure in which God will hide Noah and his wife, and his sons, and his son's wife with him, so that he might show himself faithful to this one righteous man. That he will show himself faithful to this man who had, in a wicked generation, aligned his heart with God. He says that you are to make it, this this large structure. Notice that it's compartmentalized in such a way, because God is a God of order. Make it with lower, and second, and third decks. Demarcate this this large structure in such a way that there's space for divvying up the animals and divvying up your family. And it's large enough, and I don't know if you've ever visited like the, the ark in, um, in Kentucky. It's, not, it's no small thing. I remember walking through it with my kids, and I was worn out like halfway through. It's a massive structure. And just to give us a perspective of what it was like, just walk through that sometime. The thing is, you walk through it and you go, there's plenty of room for all of the animals. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of space in here. There's more space available that God could have saved a lot more people. If anyone would just have paid attention to what God was doing in, in that day, there was, there was room for many. And there was space, and there, were, there was levels for people to stretch out and... Go for quite a little walk. It's no small structure. It wasn't a cramped space. It was a large space. Plenty of room. But God shows his covenant faithfulness, his love to this righteous man by giving him this large ark to hide himself in so that it might pass through the judgment Because it says in verse 17, God says, I want you to make this because, behold, there it is, behold, stand back, look, be amazed, watch. I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is is the breath of life under heaven. I'm going to bring destruction, but I'm going to hide you in this structure, in this safe place with plenty of room that you might not be destroyed, but I will destroy all of the flesh. All other flesh, which is the breath of life under heaven. 
anything that's alive, anything that's living, anything that has breath, it will be done away with. That's how corrupt the world had become, that God had to destroy all that was breathing under the heavens. And then it says everything. Again, that word everything that is on the earth shall die. Except Noah. Except Noah and his family. God says, I will establish. I will establish my covenant with you. There it is, a promise. Again, judgment, but yet here's the promise. I will establish my covenant with you. I will establish a relationship with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And I'm also going to give you everything that you need to replenish the earth again. I'm going to take into the ark with you everything I need to establish a new creation, a new world to replenish a world. Noah, by God's grace, hears of God's judgment, but God in his kindness shows how he's going to deliver this one righteous man. God shows to to Noah the judgment that is to come, but yet also the judgment they were already under. Because Noah was listening Because Noah had heard, we learn that Noah obeyed. Verse 22 says that Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded. That's what righteous people before the Lord do. They don't just hear the word and say, I believe it and sit on it. It's not sufficient just to hear of God's judgment and the deliverance that he's he's provided and go, Sounds good. I believe that God will do what he said he will do, but will you respond to him in the obedience that he requires? Notice that it says that Noah hears the word of God, but then Noah did all this. Noah obeyed. Noah put into action what God had commanded for him to do. It is of vital importance for us to hear that when God speaks to us, his people, That we must receive his word, yes, and believe it and put our confidence in it. But that also includes walking it out, putting it into practice, obeying, being active with what we have heard. Noah did this because he heard, he obeyed, he actually put it to work. Noah did all that God had commanded. I want you to be attentive to this. Because God speaks to us in our generation. God is speaking to you, his people. Are we taking what he's saying and hearing it and receiving it in such a way that we're like, okay, now how do I live this out? How do I put this into practice? How do I walk in this revelation? Rather than just go, heard it, good word, next thing. Have we heard what God has said? Then let us be faithful to obey what God has said. Noah, having heard, obeyed. Noah is righteous 
because he receives God's revelation. Yes, at the first of this, we heard that he aligned his heart with reality, walked before the Lord righteously, but also was a man who walked among his generation blamelessly because he heard how God had established the world and lived rightly in it. But then God pronounced the judgment and he continues to be righteous by hearing the word and walking in it. How often do we hear the word and say, now what do I do with this? How ought I to live having heard this word? What we hear from Second Peter is that Noah was not just a builder of arks. He was a man who heralded righteousness as well. He was a man who preached and proclaimed this righteousness in a wicked generation. And I want you to put in context just an idea of what Noah's life was like having been a herald of this righteousness and of this truth. In that generation, Noah received this word about God's judgment coming. And while he's building the ark, he's proclaiming the judgment to come to this wicked generation as well. So while he's building an ark, he's also looking at his enemies and they are still his enemies, not making his work any easier. Do you think there were any antagonists in the crowd? Do you think there were anyone causing him troubles while he was building the ark? Building and proclaiming. And oh, by the way, don't forget this detail. He's also supposed to pack the ark. It says in verse 21, also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. So Noah is not just a builder of arks, not just a preacher of a gospel, but he's also a farmer. Not just for his own household, but for his sons and their wives, which... That's a lot of farming to do. And also enough to feed all the other animals as well. And there he is, burdened with the work at hand, building an ark, planting gardens and fields in order to put food on the ark. And he is preaching in this wicked generation. How hard and how difficult his task must have been. But yet, we see that Noah was righteous, blameless in his generation. He walked with God, and therefore, because he was that sort of man who had aligned his heart with God, he did all this, even in the face of such odds, in the face of such difficulty. And it says that the Lord, after Noah had done all these things, the Lord said to him, go into the ark. Hide yourself in this place, you and your household. The deliverance that is, going to become, that is going to come to Noah is a household deliverance. It's a household salvation. It's not just for this one righteous man, but it's for his family as well. Because why? It says in 7 verse 1, For I have seen that you are, a righteous, you are righteous before me in this generation. You were righteous in such a way that when I spoke, you heard me. But you're also righteous in such a way that when you, when you heard me, you obeyed me. And your obedience has borne fruit. Hide in the ark. Go now. Hide yourself in the ark. Because I have seen that you're righteous 
before me in this generation. Chapter 6, 9 through verse 22, we have the word, the name of God that is Elohim, the creator God, the almighty, the powerful God who established the world. But notice the switch in chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord, then the Lord said, Yahweh said, the covenant-keeping God who proclaims his word, makes his promises, says to Noah, go into the ark, I'm going to save you. God in his power and his glory and all of his creative power speaks to Noah and Noah hears him and obeys and listens. But then Moses records for us that Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, keeps his word and says to Noah, go now, hide yourself in this ark because you're righteous before me, because you have obeyed my commands, you've obeyed my word. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, in verse 5 it says again that Noah did all that Yahweh, the Lord, had commanded him. We as God's covenant people have come here this evening to hear his word again. You've heard it this morning. We paid attention. We hear the words. But are we hearing in the way that Jesus commanded us to hear? Are we putting these things into practice? Are we taking what God has revealed that there is a judgment to come in Noah's day? There was a judgment to come. And in light of that, he needed to be delivered and God provided deliverance for him. And Noah obeyed. We too are a people who live in a generation under judgment. And God, week in and week out as the gospel is proclaimed, is telling us of a deliverance that is here and at hand for us. We're not waiting a judgment to come only, but we are also under judgment now. And the gospel is being proclaimed to a people under judgment. Do you hear? Are you paying attention? And have you obeyed God's word? And put what he said into practice. When Jesus came to his people, he preached the gospel in such a way that was like a light among them. And in John chapter 3, we have this beautiful passage starting in John chapter 3 verse 16. It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's the deliverance. If you believe on the Lord you will endure the judgment that is to come. Because Jesus did not come into the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, the world has already been judged. It had already been condemned. But he came in order that the world might be saved through him. God has declared the judgment. He's also told us the way of deliverance. It is to believe on the Lord Jesus. It is to come to him in faith that we might be saved in and through the judgment that is coming. Because the promise is for whoever believes in him, they're no longer condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And verse 19 tells us this, and this is the judgment. Whoa. We should pay attention here. God is speaking. 
Have we aligned our hearts with his word? Not this is going to be the judgment, but this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. There it is. The judgment has been declared. We live in a wicked generation. There is an ark for you to hide in. Are you listening? Or will you continue in your corrupt nature to walk uncondemnation? Or will you hear the word that is being proclaimed? Will you hear the message that's being declared? That there is salvation for all those who turn to the light. All those who come to Jesus. All those who believe on him. We walk among a people who are living in a wicked generation. We too are wicked. But yet God has been gracious to speak his covenant word to us. There is a judgment, but there's also deliverance. Now, my question is not, have you just heard this, but have you actually applied this? Have you put this into practice? Have you come to Jesus? Have you believed on him? And believed on him in such a way that your life begins to look like one who walks in the light? Look at verse 21 in John 3. It says again, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works, his life, his action, that his works have been carried out in God. Not by God, but in God. God works in your heart so that you might walk in truth and in his light. Noah was a righteous man because he heard the word of God. He aligned himself with it and he obeyed it. Jesus, the light of the world, has spoken the word to you. Now, have you aligned your heart with it, and are you walking in it? Are you walking in obedience to the word that God has proclaimed to you? Because there is a judgment to come. But deliverance is at hand. The Lord Jesus, the light of the world, has come. Why? So that you might be saved by believing on him. That you might be be saved by believing on him, but that you also might walk in him, doing the works that God has established for you to do in him. Yes, I believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. But are you obeying? Are we walking in the salvation and the deliverance we have? There is a judgment, but God has provided a deliverance. My prayer is, is that you would hear the word of God, You would put it into practice in your living that you might see that we will actually be saved through judgment by hiding ourselves in the great deliverer who is the ark, who is Christ. Trust him. Walk in him. He will save you. Let's pray.